Hey Goblins, Brandon here. Thanks for coming back for this episode of the Goblins and Growlers podcast. Just a heads up, Gabe and I did record a review of episodes 4, 5, and 6 of Legend of Vox Machina. Since uh, this is a regular release week for us, we figured we'd put out the regular episode on Monday, and then the Vox Machina review is going to come out tomorrow on Tuesday morning. So keep an ear out for that, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Goblins and Growlers podcast. I'm Josh Maltby at Black Cloak DM on Twitter. Hey, I'm Brandon Dingus at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. Josh, what do we got going today? Do we do we have a guest again? You know, it's weird. It's almost like he hasn't left the room yet, and we were going to record another episode, and then we were like, do you do you want to record another episode? And he was like, could we record another episode? And then we said, yes, we could record another episode. I just had to wait in the room for 24 hours first. It's been 84 years. It's been one week since we've been. Uh, Hi, guys. Hey, Noah. Hey, You'll intru- introduce yourself again. Hi, my name's Noah. I'm a lawyer, but I'm a cool lawyer. <laughs> and I'm not talking about legal stuff today, so I don't need to do a disclaimer. Fantastic. Yay. I'm talking about illegal stuff. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, all the podcast information we're going to give people today is strictly for informational purposes. Yeah, if you're t- if mean, you're trying to start your own podcast, please consult a, a professional podcaster. None of which is us. We we are we professional podcasters? We don't have sponsorships. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. but we do. Yeah. But we do have Patreon. So yeah. we are being paid for the work we're doing. I don't know. I think we might be professional podcasters, Brandon. You know what? Okay, think, I'll, I'll add that to my LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> professional podcaster. You know, I will say, we we talk a big joke about, like, oh, the legal disclaimer before talking about podcasting. But I do feel like people should realize a little more often that, like, when you're getting advice from something like a podcast or a panel you go to or something like that, they're talking about their experiences and history. They can't speak to exactly what you're experiencing and yeah. doing. I felt like that when I was teaching journalism at VCU. I was like, wait, you taught journalism at VCU? Yeah, I taught. Uh, I was an adjunct there for like six semesters. Holy crap. Yeah, that's neat. Yeah, what, it was what, part, it was part time when I was working at the paper. When when uh, what, what years was that? 2016 through 2019 i think i i technically could have had you as a professor then my friend (laughs) i'm still enrolled at vcu (laughs) (laughs) no it was it was it was really interesting it was actually the thing that got me over my fear of talking in front of groups so oh wow cool it's because of that that i can do public speaking i was actually talking to somebody at work the other day just about public speaking they're like oh man it terrifies me i was like you know, after having to capture and keep the attention of a bunch of 20 year olds, I can speak in front of a room of a thousand people now and not feel weird about it. Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just about being having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for the podcast listening audience, I am 31 years old. I'm not like college age. Um, <laughs> and so uh, I'm, I'm saying... 40 years old, so I'm definitely not college age. Yeah, you're old, man. It's cool. yeah, it's it's fine. I got my Reed Richards hair going with the gray. It's nice. It's fantastic. But yeah, uh, so Noah's back uh, this episode and we thought we would just kind of like shoot the shit a little bit. He wants yeah. to talk about his podcast, Forgotten Paths, available on Spotify. Uh, 
You can get him uh, at my lawyer friend on uh, what is it? Uh, Twitch, Twitter and TikTok. Yeah, boy. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, we're just going to just sort of hang out, talk about his podcast, talk about actual play podcasting in general, because, you know, Josh and I are on Quid Pro Roller sister actual play podcast uh please uh like follow subscribe retweet we're available wherever podcasts are or if or if you're here from quid pro roll go back and listen to it again yeah we could really use the download boosts that would be amazing (laughs) we don't care if you listen just download yeah let's start off no just uh, oh go ahead josh what i was gonna say was we are also specifically going to talk about amnesia campaigns which is what forgotten paths is as a show yeah, which I'm really excited to talk about. It's it's something uh, I was I was telling the two of you before we hopped on. Um, amnesia campaigns have quickly become one of my favorite ways to introduce new players to D and D and new listeners to D and D. So we'll dive into that because I'm I'm very passionate about it. So real quick, Noah, um, what is an amnesia campaign, and why why should I run one? Yeah, so amnesia campaigns typically take the form of uh players come in and they don't know who they are where they are or how they got there and they don't know they don't know a ton of stuff about their character it's a sliding scale you can have a true amnesia campaign where they wake up and the characters don't know anything they don't know language they can like that kind of stuff which is insane now i don't recommend doing that um or you can take it like the middle of the road where the character's uh, wake up and they know generally like an apple's an apple, a kobold's a kobold, that kind of thing. But they don't know anything about themselves. Or you can take it to like a amnesia light of they have their characters that they've built and brought to the table, but they don't know why they got to where they are or what's happened before the, the start time. And they're trying to figure it out. Um, when I'm running with new players, my favorite kind of way to start it is to actually start with blank character sheets. And the the players figure out everything about their character as they go along they figure out and that's a great way for me to use to teach uh to teach new players how to uh, use ability roles and how to uh, use health and 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 skills let me stop you right there when you say you're going with a blank character sheet are you saying like even the ability scores are blank and if somebody's like i want to try and break down this door you're like all right roll 3d6 and we'll determine what your strength (laughs) score is no, so so you can do it that way. That's the great thing about amnesia campaigns. You know, you can be so versatile. It's limited only by your imagination. Um, it, it's, amnesia campaigns really actually lend themselves to surreal campaigns too. But um, uh, no, so uh, on the Forgotten Pats podcast, for example, I had experienced players, so I gave them their uh, you know their ability scores and modifiers and their basic skill stuff. For my home campaign, uh, you know, which I run with a bunch of friends here b- between Richmond and Baltimore. They started off with truly blank character sheets. I didn't say, uh, you know, if they said, I want to break down this door. I didn't say, okay, roll 3d6 or here's your point by figure it out. What I did was I said, okay, roll. And they did. And I say, you succeed. And you find out that your strength modifier is plus three. And then they fill in their character sheet, that kind of thing. Now, Mm -hmm. with with regard to that, did you already have that figured out beforehand? Or were you like, oh, he rolled an 18. I guess he's good at strength. Oh, yeah, no. So I I have all of that figured out beforehand in the campaigns that I run. I think that Um, would be amazing, though, if like you're like, I'm going to break down this door. And then you discover upon the failed roll that your character actually has osteoporosis or something. (laughs) I've played in a campaign where the GM never thought we were going to end up taking a sailing vessel onto the ocean. And so 
he was like, well, uh, you know what? I hadn't planned anything for this. Let's everybody roll D100. And the goal was to get as uh, low as possible. Like golf. Like golf. And for those of us that got higher numbers, he was like, yeah, not only have you never been on a ship before, uh, but you are so nauseous right now. Oh, wow. That's you are so all cool. desert dwellers who never saw the ocean before now. <laughs> that is so neat. You're 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 from Athos, actually. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no, I, 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 what I do for all of mine is I, I create the characters within certain parameters. If somebody says, I'd really like to try a rogue out this time. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll make you a rogue. Um, but when I've got a new player, they've never touched D&D before. I say, they say, I don't know what I want to do. I'm like, all right, you're going to be something crazy. It's going to be an <laughs> uh, Echo Knight Kobold. <laughs> so <laughs> Let's get so, weird. Let's get weird, man. But yeah, then they figure it out as they go along. And um, once you get past the initial, you know, filling out the character sheet, which you'll do over the course of four sessions, maybe, maybe you find an NPC that, that reveals a lot more for them, that kind of thing. They go to a library, find the lineage, that kind of stuff. Um, and then, then you start to figure out more about their history, their, their forgotten affiliations. Oh, was I the leader of an underground gang or something like that? It it gets it's really fun to throw in revelations. I want to tie this back into Star Trek because that's what I do with most things in my life. Or wrestling, yes, or, wrestling. Too. Yeah, before wrestling, there was Star Trek. But um, there's a fantastic uh, bottle episode of uh, Next Generation called Conundrum, and it's basically an amnesia campaign. Oh, um, wow! Everybody gets knocked out. And uh, like the episode pretty much begins with everybody having lost their memory and they have no idea. Like they've even lost knowledge of like what the rank insignias mean. So they don't know who the captain is and they have to figure it out. And it leads to some really interesting character interactions, knowing like as the viewer, knowing what you know about the character dynamics. Wow. Uh, even like it, it's just a fascinating episode to watch. I think sort of at this point, most people are sort of at least broadly familiar with the characters on Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah. So it's even if you're not like a super fan, it's really worth checking out. What's the name of the episode? Do you know? Conundrum. Okay. Conundrum. Okay. Mm -hmm. On TNG. I'm going to check that out. That's there's your homework for the for the episode. Uh, go and watch Star <laughs> yeah. Trek The Next Generation Conundrum. Watch um, Star Trek The Next Generation Conundrum and then write your mm -hmm. own amnesia campaign. Yeah. It's season five, episode 14. Awesome. Love yeah. it. I'm going to have to do that like after this podcast. That sounds really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really good. It's really good. It was the it was the last episode of TNG that I had never seen. I never saw it during its initial run. And it was I had seen every one of them, but that one. And then I finally caught it on a syndication rerun at some point. That's so neat. What mm -hmm. a one to miss. Jeez. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you guys this in terms of amnesia campaigns. Like what what's y'all's backgrounds with them? Because it's something that I I've. I dove into pretty, pretty hardcore. It's almost one of my favorite places to play D and D. Um, what about you guys? So I've had amnesiac characters in campaigns uh -huh. I've run before. Um, I've had characters, everything from, I don't recall my, like the player had written down the ability scores and all of that, but played the character as not knowing their strength, not knowing how quick they are, not knowing if they can pick locks or not. And then the player would roll and sometimes it would go absolutely horribly. And the character would be like, well, I don't know if I can do this because it went really badly for me. 
even though they have a plus four decks and thieves tools and all. <laughs> like, yeah. So that was really fun. Um, I've also had player characters sit down at my table that are like, I don't know what my backstory is and I don't want to make one up. So I'm going to leave all of that in your hands. My character knows nothing of his past. And I'm like, that's, it's a little edgy, but that's fine. We'll, we'll I'll work with you on that. We'll do this. Huh. I, I kind of did a middle of the road thing one time. I was hired to write like a seven or eight hour game mm -hmm. um, to run for folks. So I spent a lot of time on it and I wanted to do something a little bit different with it other than just like, well, here's the adventure, bring your characters and let's go. So everybody created uh, their own character ahead of time. But when I got there, I had created a big table for everybody to roll on to determine character relationships. Yeah. So, you know, I go around the table. OK, you roll because there were six people playing like roll a D6 and then roll a D12 to determine what your relationship is with that person around the table. And like, oh, OK, so your character actually used to date that character's sister, um, but you broke up with the sister but you actually ended up remaining pretty good friends with the brother. Yeah. So a lot of stuff like that. It made it, it made it really interesting. I think they, mm -hmm. I think they enjoyed it. Some of the stuff didn't like gel perfectly, but it was, uh, it made for some really cool interactions. So That's I would hundred like 10, 10 would do again. That's awesome. One of, one of my favorite parts about amnesia campaigns is if they go for long enough, you can really dive into some like, uh, not I wouldn't I, I would say hard hitting I wouldn't say hard hitting necessarily because it's it's not like oh man I'm gonna be sobbing at the table but like stuff that can really have an impact on your characters for example in, in my homebrew my homebrew homeworld campaign that I run as an amnesia campaign we're about 80 sessions into it we've been running it for uh, all, a year and a half almost two year and three quarters um and I have one character named Burgess Burgess the dwarf that doesn't believe that dwarves exist rogue um and uh and he got teleported to another universe played by my good friend alex Mendez, by the way um teleports another universe where he found out that he had a family that he just didn't remember he had a wife and kids that he didn't remember um and the impact that having that allowed me to kind of bring his character which it turned into sort of a murder hobo um back in line with a, oh this person's got something to live for they can't just dive in and try and murder everything does this guy look like Giorgio Sukolos? uh i don't know who that is i know he's that the he's... aliens guy from ancient aliens oh yeah no 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 he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't no 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 actually alex alex amazingly looks like brendan yuri like a brendan yuri clone so <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah no so bastard. Like you BS dude. Um, but yeah, no, so the, the amnesia campaigns allow for revelations because you're not going to know stuff from your backstory. Allows you to make connections and stuff like that, have some really cool moments. Well, and that doesn't close the door. I think part of the beauty of having an amnesiac character or campaign is it doesn't close the door to the player having that agency to kind of like bring ideas and concepts to the table. Exactly without having the pressure of oh if i'm gonna write you know these three things i want to have happen i also have to write the seven other things that make sense to connect them yeah exactly yeah no I, and 
And it allows them to really, uh, it gives them some bumpers within which to, you know, put their creativity because unlimited creativity can stifle creativity in some cases. Um, if you were given obstacles to play within, then you one, find a way to overcome them. And two, you know, okay, here's the wall. I can paint on it. That kind of thing. Um, which I've, I've really enjoyed playing, um, in, in all of my campaigns for in forgotten paths, for example, we had three main characters. They woke up with nothing. We just recorded episodes six and seven, which are their first memories, where they remember a little bit about actual things that happened in their past. Um, and seeing the players processing that and um, has been absolutely fun. We're about to record episodes eight and nine. And I just want to see how it affects their characters and see the shift in their characters. You know what I mean? I don't want to. I don't want this to sound like the way it's going to sound, but like that reminds me a lot about sort of the end of the adventure zone balance arc. Oh yeah. 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 I, I am not suggesting that was ripped off. It just <laughs> it reminds <wasn't>. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, because if, what was that? That was um, uh, the McElroy brothers, obviously. Uh, yeah. But, but in terms of what happened with their characters, it was like the century. They- uh, spo- spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't listened to all of the balance arc, because I yeah. actually know one person who is currently like listening to it right now. Um, yeah, uh, fast for- fast forward like like a minute or two. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but they were actually from um, like another universe or something. Right. Or, or a multitude of universes. Yeah. Yeah. They, they kept traveling between universes to escape this sort of Galactus type situation. That's cool. Yeah. That's not in my campaign, but that's really neat. Um, well, now you've spoiled something for your players. <laughs> oh, maybe I didn't. Maybe I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were first building out forgotten paths, um obviously you came up with a lot of like what the characters were going to be how they were going to perform their roles um i imagine the players had a lot of trust in you but how much do you bring players in on that process or did you at all um with forgotten paths specifically i really didn't bring them in i they they didn't know anything going in um i would give them hints the the most that i gave them was as as i'm creating characters for amnesia campaigns in order to make sure that i'm not just writing clones like three clones that are the exact same thing i create a playlist of three songs for each character um songs that i emotionally connect with that that will inspire something in me it's it's how i create characters for amnesia campaigns across the board and once I created the character, I didn't share the character sheet with my my players, but I shared the playlist with them. Because, um, you know, when you're recording a podcast, it, it when you're offline, it's one thing to have hijinks around the table for four hours. Like, holy crap, I'm a dwarf. Um, but but within a podcast, you're not just recording for yourselves. You're recording for an audience. So I didn't want to I wanted to give them some bumpers to kind of guide them along. So it helped inform their initial character choices, I believe. Um, that was the intent, at least. And um, it gave them a world within within which to live. Uh, that said, when I was creating it, they had no idea what they were diving into. Um, and if you listen to the first episode, they're like one of the characters. Uh, I won't I won't spoil which one. One of the characters is shorter than another, and uh, and they played into it perfectly. They figured it out halfway through. Um, and uh, it's it was a really exciting moment 
because they were it gave them some cool character choices to make. I don't know if you've done this already, but is there somewhere we can go and see the song choices for the characters? Or is that something oh. you're saving for a social media release later? Uh, we have not done that, but I actually would love to do that. In fact, I'm, I'm happy to tell you um, on the podcast right now, because I have it right here. Um, so one, one, one character was in, uh, had in their playlist, Days Like These by Lowe. Jonathan by Hail Mary Mallon and Sirens by Bear Ghost. Another one had Midnight by Caravan Palace, Use My Voice by Evanescence, and Blood Water by Grandson. And the third one was Plume by Caravan Palace, Stronger Than You featuring Estelle by Steven Universe, or from Steven Universe, I should say. Amazing show. And Seven from Taylor Swift. Uh, and... <laughs> And it's such an eclectic group of songs uh, that it helped them really make character choices, I believe. Um, and they, they filled it up perfectly. You want to know Alex's playlist for my character on Quid Pro Roll? Please. It was John Cena's entrance theme. Of course it was. It was a Dusty Rhodes' The American Dream uh, entrance theme, Common Man Boogie. And uh, Billy Gun- like Badass Billy Gunn's... Uh, entrance theme from the mid 90s when his character was mr ass <laughs> called ass man that's awesome yeah and that fits your character so perfectly from yeah Roll. she just rolled her eyes like like she was like send me some ideas <laughs> for some songs i was like well you know wrestling themes Rest, wrestling and, themes yeah uh i'm i'm one of those weirdos who makes an entire playlist for his character so i have 18 tracks but the the top three for Solinar are Gold Guns Girls by Metric, <laughs> Cha-Ching by Stairlift, and Dead of Night by Daniel Olsen. Uh, oh, who's the who's the singer on that? I'd have to look. I love that because you connect so emotionally to music. Oh, yeah. That it helps you build an emotional connection to your character. And that's that's my opinion. Like as a writer uh, for D&D, I have a D&D playlist. That is really long. And when I'm writing, I just put it on and it's got everything from epic stuff to sad stuff to sea shanties. And that way, when I'm writing, I make sure to if I, something strikes a chord, I'll just click put on repeat and I'll just write an entire section listening to that song. Like that's how I wrote um, a pretty significant character death in my homebrew campaign was listening to uh, Bones in the Ocean by the Longest Johns. So great track. And then I used it in the scene. (laughs) (laughs) That's the way to do it. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so glad that sea shanties made just such a massive revival like that. What a good thing to come back. Right. (laughs) I agree. And then, and then Nickelback did a sea shanty collaboration. I was completely unaware of this. That sounds amazing though. Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. You should go check it out. Nickelback did, I think it was, um, uh rock stars or rockstar uh they just did a sea shanty collab for it wow uh, yep um but yeah no so so amnesia campaigns you got to find ways to help your characters with their character and music's a great way to do it art's a great way to do it that kind of stuff um one of my uh homebrew campaign characters is currently undergoing in uh like a transformation they just found out something about themselves um and this remember this is like a year and a half in and they just found out something tr- transformative about themselves. 
So I, I gave them some music to help guide them on it. Um, and it's just Russian rap. Like Russian all all all, all female rap by Apache. Um, the song is Witch by Apache. It's really great. I once fell in love with a song. This was about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it sampled science theme from Final Fantasy VI. So that's oh. why I was really all about it. And it was Korean. And then many years later, I found out that the rappers were actually like super hardcore conservative, like religious conservative Koreans. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, because like I didn't understand half the words in the song. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. This is bop. And I found out like what they believed. I I feel so dirty. Be very careful. (laughs) Be very careful falling in love with songs, not in a language you understand. Yeah. Always look up the, uh, always look up the translation to make sure they're not just like a rapping mind comp or something like that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You want to be cautious of that. So Noah, you talk about like players who are new to the game, bringing them in and having them play an amnesia campaign. How do you balance the fact that they don't know any of the rules with the fact that you are basically in complete control of what their character is capable of? Yeah. yeah. So um, what I use it as is more of a, it gives me an ability to guide them so that they don't read ahead in the rule book. You know what I mean? Um, One of the things that I struggled with as an early player, you know, even when I was, even when I was really learning, learning D and D in three five, you know, I've, I've been around since AD and D, but I really didn't dive in until three five. Um, was that I would get four steps ahead without learning the basics. I would, you know, create that um, that spell thief, and I'd be like, "All right, I got spells," and I didn't learn what spell slots were or like anything like that. <laughs> and um, it was it was a mistake, and so it's really important. I think for new players to learn how the math interacts, how the, how the character sheet goes and what plugs in where, because at first it can look like, Oh, there's all these randomly generated numbers on a page, but actually most of it is your six ability scores, your health, and then your, and then a bunch of set stuff that plugs into your, uh, to your set bonuses and your racial traits. And so when I'm working with a new player, and I say, okay, I need you to roll a perception check. Uh, they say, well, what the f- perception check? I'm like, okay. Now, when I tell you to roll a check, you're going to be looking at your saving throw. Well, your saving throws are your, your skill checks. Or if you don't see anything there, you're just looking straight up at your abilities. And that's where you find your modifiers. So if you look next to your perception, you uh, you have your, uh, what is what is the modifier for perception? I got a sheet here. Um, perception is, is your is 10 plus your wisdom modifier yeah yeah so it's it's yeah so what i'll say is take your wisdom modifier and they're like what's my wisdom modifier i'm like okay your wisdom modifier <laughs> is two your uh your proficiency bonus if you're proficient in perception is also plus two because you're a level one so your perception modifier would be plus four and they're like oh dope i've learned how to play D." And then I'll tell them, roll a d20. And then you got your basics of how that final number that they hear, like, I rolled a 24. Well, that's great. Uh, that means they rolled a natural 20. I can teach them about that, too. They learn what goes into the final number that people yell out by re- reconstructing it from their character sheet. I think one of the greatest pieces of media on this I've seen is a web comic that shows these two parents talking and one of them's like your son always gets such good scores in math like 
you all must do such a good job at home. And she's like, yeah. And then underneath it shows her being like, okay, so if your attack modifier is three and you rolled a 16, then the armor class is 19. That's amazing. (laughs) I love that. You need to send that to me. That's dope. I will find that and send that to you. Yeah, obviously, I would never do that on a podcast medium um, in terms of like putting somebody on who's never played before. But for home campaigns, it's a great way to teach your friends how to play D&D. Um, now, my question for you guys is, have you and I haven't gotten far enough in the quid pro role yet to to know, have you guys played around with amnesia at all in, in there or um, or what it, what have been some of the challenges you guys had recording the podcast of quid pro role? So. I don't know that we've dealt with amnesia itself as a topic, but we have definitely had making character history decisions minutes before revealing it on the cast. Oh my yeah. God. My character gravy boat has been going through some stuff lately. So Alex is like, I've got some thoughts on what we should do with him, but mainly to help him learn a lesson. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And she's like, do you have any thoughts about, you know what could happen there and my philosophy usually is like i don't want any foreknowledge of what's going to happen to my character and so i really push against that because like that's life like you don't know what's going to happen so it's a more genuine reaction if you don't she's like come on i need some help here and i was like i don't know you know he's got some family issues maybe you could play with that um you know he he's uh, he's been very He's demonstrated uh, fecundity, perhaps, in his <laughs> good, in good his word. interactions with women over the last 20 years. So maybe you could play something off from that. And she says, OK, so, you know, maybe I have some kind of idea of his past. Um, and I guess from a certain perspective, I should know more about his past. But also, I still want to be surprised by it. Yeah, because, I mean, you're not actively thinking about everything that's ever happened to you at all times. Right. Um. Uh, and and you're not actively thinking about the emotional reaction that you have to it. So one of the things that I see a lot is is folks when they have their backstories, they're saying, "Okay, I know exactly how this affected me." No, you don't. That's what therapy's for, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know how you reacted, but... yeah, exactly. And you, and and they're like, "Oh," and I see backstories where they're like, "Oh yeah, you know, he had a falling out with his sister, and she hated him." Well, how do you know that? <laughs> does she say i hate you or is it something you assumed is is it if you run into her down the road is she still gonna hate you or does she miss somebody like you can't write that into your own character you can't decide things for other people he is mm-hmm. even that's, if they're npcs that's one of my favorite things to do as a game master is when people have written in those backstories where they're making big assumptions about the emotions of other characters mm-hmm. you as the uh, authority on those characters then are like, no, I never, no, 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 no. I never hated you. I was upset because of what you had just done. And I needed time to process that. And you took that as me cutting you out of my life. And then when I came to talk to you, you were gone. And all of a sudden the player and the character both are like, Oh my God. <laughs> oh no. I've been so wrong this whole time. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I love about, about, you know, uh, characters as a, as a GM is the character sheet is from, you, you need to take it as this is from your character, this person's character's perspective and looking at the chandelier from a different angle, you could see different crystals and different rainbows. Um, 
And so I, I would, I would always challenge GMs to, in a podcast medium and a homebrew campaign, to not take something their their players say as fact, because then it allows you to create character growth. Be aware that all narrators have some form of bias. Exactly. Oh, I love it. And especially when it comes to an amnesia campaign, because the narrator is the only way that you know how things actually are, quote unquote. So it's a it's a great way to throw in throw in plot twists and things like that. So we've talked a lot about like setting up an amnesia campaign. But when you're actually running it, I imagine you have a lot of instances where somebody makes a decision about how their character is going to respond to things. If that's not already written in, do you make changes kind of on the fly? Or are you like, well, you know, you can absolutely be very interested in picking locks, uh, but you do have a negative two decks. So that will be difficult for you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it really depends. I mean, what do, what do you think? Like, how have you handled that kind of stuff? I mean, Brandon and I both tend to be very fly by fly by night sort of DMs. Uh, I tend to run, as I like to say, yes, indeed. Uh, I tend to run a lot of my stuff. Everything I have written down is merely a suggestion. (laughs) All can change. As opposed to Alan who writes nothing down. Yeah, Alon yeah, just runs off of nothing. <laughs> I I was I was recently in an Alon campaign um, for charity, and um, it was fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I enjoy doing a, um, that kind of stuff for one shots. I cannot do it for long form. That yeah. is, um, I, uh, it, it that is my Alon strength. Yeah, my one per- shots. My particular mania does not allow me to walk into a situation with that kind of lack of a plan. Yeah. I can come in with a plan and the plan can change, but I cannot just walk into it just like, all right, well, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done it. I've seen other people do it. The thing is, is you've got to be a really strong DM to do it because um, uh, I remember I was I was playing a campaign one time and somebody like it was somebody was like on the fly. They were trying to like just come up with something. And I saw that they had like a moment of inspiration, but they were a little drunk um as a dm which is a bad idea sometimes mm-hmm. um and they said something to the effect of you walk into an orphanage where there's just a bunch of blind orphans i'm like okay and i was like i do a perception check and uh i rolled and um i rolled a nat 20 and i said you see a sign on the wall that says not see youth i was like oh no that's awful <laughs> it was it was rough, and uh, and that campaign died right after that. Um, no surprise, yeah, because of bad <laughs> puns, um, bad puns that were grounded in historical awfulness. Well, and also like you you created a terrible scenario to make a pun based on a different terrible scenario. It's like yeah, <laughs> you just really doubled down there, didn't you? I, oh it's funny because I mean, at at the moment, I chuckled. I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but yeah, we couldn't continue on that. So you gotta you gotta plan out stuff. And you can't make up stuff like that because, as a pun master yourself, Josh, um, you you can get in trouble. Oh, I'm I'm well aware. We've had to cut whole like episodes of the podcast because we went on a pun rampage 
and it ended up going very inappropriate directions. Uh, and that was when we learned that we need someone on the cast to be the straight man. Yeah. Because Which if all of Brandon us... Brandon comes in. Yeah. Uh, well... <laughs> <laughs> I Honestly, as crazy as this sounds, it's usually Alan who is trying to, like, bring us back to center. What? I know. Yeah. I know. But the thing I don't is, think I've been the straight man since that episode where I went full dad voice and made everybody in the room uncomfortable. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm uh, excited for that. It, that's magnificent, though. Like, honestly, of memorable moments on the podcast, that's one of my favorites because you just completely dominated the room with pure dad voice and dad energy. It was amazing. It, it was kind of awful, Noah, because like r- after we finished recording that episode, everybody was like, I just got to take a breath because that legit made me uncomfortable. It was like being yelled at by my father. I felt like I was about to get grounded. Like, And then after the episode comes out, people are on the Discord like, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Was, it was a good uncomfortable, though. I love yeah, it. It was that- a dramatic uncomfortable. That's that's the thing is like I love dramatic uncomfortables. Um, as in a podcast medium, that that is something that sh- can't all be fluffy bunnies. It can't all be super edge lords. It's sometimes got to be a little bit in between. You know, you got to dive into a spot where like, as long as everybody is understands the safety tools that you put in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, if you don't know what safety tools are, I don't know if you guys have recorded a podcast on that, but you should. Um, as long as people follow the safety tools that you have in place, going into an uncomfortable place can create, can show character growth, especially with like an amnesia campaign. Um, one of the places that we went recently on forgotten paths and this episode's not out yet, um, was uncomfortable for me as a GM and for the player, um, in terms of not like a, not like an actual discomfort, but like it was a, Oh man, where is this going to go? And it was it was interesting um, because it's not something either of us really expected, but we unpacked some serious history for a character um, that they obviously didn't know because it's an amnesia campaign. And uh, it was at the end of it, we were sitting on Discord just chatting uh, and like unpacking and we're like, that was really fun. Like it was a really cool moment because we went someplace that we weren't necessarily ready for. Um, and that kind of stuff's important. Um, but uh, so if you haven't listened to the Forgotten Pats podcast, make sure you start now so that you're there when it comes out. So uh, uh, actually talking about the Forgotten Pats podcast, you put together your cast. Yeah. Obviously, all of these professionals were like, all right, Noah's not going to do us dirty. He's going to give us characters we're going to enjoy playing. You gave them their playlists to give them a little bit of something to work off of as they're playing their characters. How much, um, how much do you have written for the campaign ahead of when you start playing? Because I know the, the old adage is don't write every scenario because you'll end up using an eighth of it and putting the rest in a drawer. Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, uh, Alex put this in the best way is you, you make the tracks while the train is on running. Um, and so with forgotten paths, I had potentially, I'd say the first 10 episodes completely 
ready to go. I knew uh, here's the format, the scenarios, what I need for exposition, because this gets us through the base exposition. At the end of these 10 episodes, I need everyone to know what the characters' names, races, classes are, and what their third level ability is um, for their subclass. I need everybody to know that stuff. Um, so that we have a base on which to build for the rest of the campaign. And that way I can focus on not the mechanics of what they're unpacking, but the actual story after that. So I've got, you know, uh, places that this train is going to go. Um, but the characters are really helping me inform what's next, where, where they're emotionally ready, where their characters are, are building towards what would be a good moment next. So, um, I'd honestly say if, if I needed to, if, if I could just get into a massive multi-day recording session, um, I could probably get out to like 25 episodes without needing to pause. Um, but those are all options. They're all tinker toys that could snap in a different place. We can build a skyscraper or a parking garage. Um, and, and it's, it's really fun to see where the characters are leading me as the DM, even as I'm giving them their backstories. I love this concept of building things out so that you've got your introduction set mm -hmm. and then you've got different set pieces that you can play with beyond that. Because I feel like that's really what we should all be aspiring to when we write a campaign for a group of people we're going to be running. Obviously, if you're writing a campaign that you expect other people to run, that a lot of that's going to be up to them. Yeah. But when you're writing your own campaign, when I'm trying to write a campaign for myself, I've, I've always aspired to have it set so that I've got some some high notes I want to hit. I've got some journeys that I want to go on and I've got some places that I want to see. But overall, you have to wait and see where your players are going to take you as much as your players are waiting to see where you want to take them. Right. And and my players have done a great job of not waiting on me to fill out their characters. They're making decisions. And what I love about that is with a recorded amnesia campaign, the audience is going to be able to eventually see and hear, oh, this character after their memory was wiped, became a completely different person based on this story that we hear about them in the world from before. Um, and that, because I don't want them to become the same person. I mean, that, that, you know, that just means predestination is a thing. And as we as GMs know, predestination kills campaigns. So, <laughs> so with, with kind of that, you've got your, you've got your cast you were saying something about uh, this third episode release. Yeah. There's, there's kind of a big uh, memory moment for at least one of your characters. I'm trying to remember exactly what you said now. Yeah, so so episode three is coming out this Monday. It will likely be out by the time this episode is coming up. Um, and, uh, you know, this is kind of the exposition moment um, uh, where, you know, people... After a certain point, people have their guesses. After episodes one and two on Twitter, we're seeing the people are like, oh, I think so-and-so is this class. Oh, oh, I think so-and-so is this class. Episode three is I want to give the audience a moment to say, oh, I got that right. You know what I mean? So I've got one character, an NPC coming in that's just going to either confirm or deny. You know, they're going to say at this point, okay, well, this person's a monk. This person's, uh, you know, a warlock, etc." 
um, you're one of the best monks that we've ever seen from the, this temple, that kind of thing. Um, giving them a little bit so that the audience can be like, ah, I knew it. Okay, this this is the path that we're on kind of thing. And that way we get confirmations because and the way I see it is, you know, I want the audience to have that moment of, yeah, I checked that box. I know I know my D&D. Um, okay. And so uh, and so that's something I want to reward them with. And that's going to be happening all along the way. I want to be able to have the audience like I want to see fan theories. I want to I want people to be like, I think that this is in their backstory or this happened to this person. And I want it to be confirmed or denied. Because if somebody's guessing something online, what if they have a better idea than I had? <laughs> and then I'll just use that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that's how I go with it. I've definitely done that at the table before. I don't know. Actually, I take that back. I do know there's been at least one occasion with quid pro roll where somebody has thrown out a, you know, I think this is a thing that may have occurred. And I was mm. like, oh my God, I had made no decisions on that yet. And that is so much better than anything I was going to come up with. Yeah. There's a story from Seinfeld about that. Like the episode where Jerry didn't know his girlfriend's name, but she said that it rhymed with uh, part of the female anatomy. They had it all written out, like what the name was going to be. And then the warm up comedian, like during the episode when they were shooting it, was like talking to the studio audience, like, who has guesses on what her name's going to be? And somebody threw out Dolores. It wasn't Larry David, but it was another producer or somebody on the show. Like his ears immediately perked up and he went and he ran backstage. He's like, we got to change it. This is way better. This is way better. (laughs) And that's what ended up being in the episode that aired. That's funny because they said Dolores because it rhymes. Oh my god! Yeah, because the way. Oh, okay, that's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> Man, I wonder how they could find her. Um. Anyways, so, um, <laughs> do you have to cut that, Brandon? <laughs> I think Josh is going to edit this one. Actually, <laughs> uh, hopefully, Josh is going to have to cut that. I don't think we'll have to cut that one. I think that's that's very like Looney Tunes esque. Kind of like <laughs> winking a nod. Mm-hmm. I think we should. You should keep the discussion of whether or not to cut it too. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, so um, yeah, that that's kind of where we're at in terms of. I would love to have G and G people on as guests for my uh, for Forgotten Paths too because you guys are so experienced. Um, so please let me know. I'd love that. I am available for bookings. Yay, good. Uh, <laughs> my my fees are very reasonable, and for yeah. you, they may even go as low as free. Oh shit. oh my god oh Oh, thank you i appreciate it (laughs) um but yeah in terms of uh podcast releasing just kind of in general as as we're winding down here is um for y'all with quid pro role what was it like building up your audience um because we're in that we're that part where you know forgotten paths first episode 200 downloads and listens on like in two days, which is awesome. And honestly, I think a lot of that was y'all sharing it, G and G sharing it. So thank you to the listeners of G and G you know, y'all are great. Um, but, uh, in terms of the, the slow build, how did you guys, like, when did you start to say, okay, this is, this is for real the other day. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, without diving too deep into numbers, you know, I, Josh knows this because I post it in our private discord all the time. Like usually every couple of days, I'm like, here's where our numbers are at for this month. Um, And for December and January, we went to a biweekly release schedule instead of weekly just to give everybody a little bit of a break. And I was like, our numbers are going to tank because of this. And we're actually seeing like record 
downloads these two months. Um, and we, we do it through Podbean, So I, I use the, um, analytics there where you can do like Mm -hmm. the max you can do is look over the last 24 months on there. And a real kind of mind blowing thing for me is like, you know, like COVID in 20, like in starting in 2020, like nobody knew how to track podcast download metrics anymore. Like nobody knew what they were going to do because there were no commutes anymore. Right. Um, so there was no normal. Um, so we hit kind of a nadir after a certain point there. And then I guess like earlier this year, we had our highest or not this year because it's 2022 now. Earlier, uh, like around July of 2021, we had our highest download month ever. And then last month, December, actually eclipsed that. So if you take the the chart and look at it over 24 months, it uh it's kind of amazing because we see, you know, big like like really around January of last year is where everything started to take off and it just hit sort of an upward trajectory. And that was just over two years and three months after we started the podcast. And if uh, our total downloads versus um, the last 12 months, we've gotten fully 50 percent of our total downloads in the last 12 months. Wow. Yeah. As far as building our initial audience, though, it started out pretty like quietly, pretty slowly. Uh, it's one of those things where we agreed as a group that we weren't going to pay too much attention to download numbers, that we were going to make the podcast for us Same. and then the audience second. Uh, because if you're doing it just for the views, then things get really skewed really fast. Also, it can be really disappointing to wake up every morning, look at your download numbers and be like, oh, only like five more people have listened. Well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, like, we learned a couple of things. Thing number one, we're not great at social media. Uh, it's just right. not a skill set that we possess strongly. And we're even happy- setting aside skill set, it's a time thing. Yeah, exactly. And when you have no time and you're bad at a thing, you probably are going to deprioritize that thing <laughs> as much as you can. Yep. <laughs> Which in turn means you don't get a lot of that. But we were very fortunate because when we started Quid Pro Roll, we already had a little bit of a baked in audience. We right. were running weekly brewery games and we would go to those games and be like, oh, and by the way, we have a podcast. So you can come and check us out even when we're not running games here. You can come yeah. and listen to us running games online over at this website. And I think that helped us a ton early on. Right. And since then, it's been going and meeting people at conventions. And there is something magical about we went to Queen City Anime Con last year, and there was a woman who had come up to the the booth that we had set up to buy some merchandise. And she was talking about how like she really loves the cast and she's really excited for the live show we're going to do. And, you know, she really enjoys like these character interactions and this is one of her favorite scenes and things like that. And we're, we're kind of standing there behind the counter and like, yeah, 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 absolutely. Absolutely. All of that's great. And then as I'm finishing up her transaction, I jumped into my Solinar voice and I was like, and Hey, thanks for being a fan. And she's like, wait, you're Solinar. Oh my God. And just like, it's so cool. 
I had a, I had a similar thing happen to me because we were at Queen City and, you know, it had been two years since the last time we were there because there wasn't one uh, because of COVID. COVID. Yeah. And it was the day of the live show, I think. No, it was it wasn't even the day of the live show. It was like the day before. And I was standing there at the booth and some woman comes up to me and is just like, hey, Brandon, how are you? And I was like, <laughs> excuse me, baking powder? Like, what? Um, uh, hello. Yeah. I was like, what? And she's like, oh, like I we talked a couple of years ago when you guys were here. And that's what actually got me turned on to the podcast. Um, I've been listening ever since then. I was like, oh, holy crap. That's I was like, well, so you know, we got a live show tomorrow. She's like, what? <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. But just like coming up to me like, hey, you know, that was that was just wild that, that she, you know, remembered that. Like, I guess, you know, listening to the podcast, she has my voice in her ear right. every week. But like, you know, still remembering what I look like and everything and coming up to look at me like if you get on gobs you can find me pretty easily. If you Google my right. name, I am the first through like 20th result. That's so it's awesome. not difficult yeah. to find me. But that was just still really cool. We we had with our first episode release, we got a little bit lucky because you know we released on the May Contain Action Network, which you know is founded co-founded by Trevor May, the Mets baseball player, mm-hmm. and and uh, Action Jackson, the famous Twitch streamer, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um and they they were behind it, they were retweeting it, which was really cool. Um and uh but then in addition we got like random fan engagement to this day we're like on twitter we created a dedicated twitter for the podcast so that we didn't like burn out our own socials so we have at paths underscore forgotten on twitter but people are using hashtag forgotten paths pod to live tweet their listen alongs and so we have um um drac draconix who is uh is coming on as a guest actually um uh, live tweeted both episodes that are out so far and just live tweeted reactions no spoilers or anything just like the, their favorite parts of the podcast and so that that's been so fun to see mm-hmm. and An- go ahead. another thing that really helped us that we weren't expecting is you know we had a pre-existing goblins and growlers discord that we used for like live game organization right. and everything and you know we built community on that well, after the podcast had been out for like a year or so and we were getting new um, like new listeners, right. uh, people on the Discord without any sort of prompting or encouragement from us decided to start a weekly re-listen chat starting back over from the beginning of the podcast, which is great because it's a way for people to talk about old episodes who are like latecomers to it, for mm-hmm. ways for people to get caught up. And it also gooses those download, download numbers yep. again. Um, they've, so since they've done that, they've gone through the entire podcast once and they've wow. started just in the last few weeks, they started back. It was like right before the holiday because they, they took a holiday break seven last night um, yeah. as of this recording. Yeah. Cause I got yeah. tagged in it. <laughs> yeah. So they've started back. So they've started back over on that again. That's so cool. Yeah. You know, I've, I, you know, I've recently started, uh, listening to quid pro role and it's been so much fun. Um, to just enjoy it as a new listener. And so I'm, I'm trying to catch up to the point where I can do those listen alongs myself. Um, Cause that'd just be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. And it's always, I, I think if I were listening to a podcast where the, the cast and the production people were like involved enough to be showing up in that chat, I would think that would be really cool to have that kind of interaction. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think that's the biggest feedback we've gotten is that people really like how accessible we are as people. Yeah. And so if you're I I don't I time is limited, 
But if you're running a podcast and you have the opportunity to connect with your fan base, whether it's in person at events like conventions, whether it's online on like Discord, on Relisten chats, things like that, take advantage of that because it means a lot to people to be able to talk to the people behind what they're doing. Yeah. And that's one thing that we've kind of put into place with with Forgotten Paths is, you know, Sam and Ed and Kat as cast, along with me, monitor the hashtag Forgotten Paths pod um, hashtag so that we can interact with people that are tweeting about the show. And we, we make sure that always at least the official account interacts with them because we want we love our fans. And so it's it's been it's been really fun to watch that interaction grow and you know uh, be accessible like that i think that's something that i saw with you guys that i really admire and i'm trying to emulate it oh thank you awesome i can't think of a better way to end the podcast than that with somebody saying a good thing about us <laughs> yeah let's do it <laughs> well thanks guys for having me on i really appreciate it no thanks thank for making time this uh lovely saturday morning here course yeah saturday afternoon now well um, we've been at this for a while <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but yeah thanks for having me on guys i truly appreciate it if, if you don't mind i'll quickly shout out um please go listen download um yeah uh, not necessarily together F- five-star review talk nice things about forgotten paths uh on any podcatcher you listen to um we are we are hoping that we can have a lot more fun with this thing well, and there's not that many episodes out just yet, so it's a pretty easy catch-up point. That's right. Every Monday, new episodes. So um, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. No, yeah. absolutely. Thank you again for being on. Um, we, If we come up with more either legal talk or maybe we'll revisit talking about Forgotten Paths, you know, some months from now where things have changed radically for you as far as <laughs> where you thought they were going and where they have gone, as I know campaigns have a tendency to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll have to have you back on to talk about some more stuff with us down the road. Absolutely. Thanks guys. And uh, also thank you to all the listeners for, for putting up with these goofs because they're pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> well, as, as Noah has said, he is a cool lawyer, so yeah. it's always nice to sit down and talk to him. Uh, so thanks everybody. Uh, I'm Brandon at Way of Brandalore on Twitter. I'm Josh at Black Cloak DM on Twitter. Noah, do you need to throw your stuff out there again? Yeah, Ooh. I met my lawyer friend on Twitter T- and Twitch TikTok and, t- and, and Twitch. Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> How cool lawyer! Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Goblins and Growlers podcast. If you want to be real cool, and I mean even cooler than you are already, tell a friend about this podcast, and then have them tell a friend, and then have them tell a friend. Maybe you could share it on your social media, or lean on people to share it on their social media. That would really be swell. Everybody have a great week.